Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. I yeah. I just ran to the other room mm -hmm. to get the notes when we were talking the other day, and you said, "Write this down," because we were on a roll. And now I'm looking at it like you know when a doctor writes a prescription, you don't know if it's oxycotton or aspirin. <laughs> it's a. <laughs> It says fire. Were we talking about fires? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> it says, I can't tell if it says ham or arm. Redskins, baseball. Mm -hmm. But that's so funny that I, ham, ham. <laughs> I have never had a problem with the name Redskins. And I'll tell you right. why. I'll tell you why. Well, no, you're, you're white. That's why. no, <laughs> no, no. That's a that's a. That's gotta be one A. That's gotta be. Well, you, that's really funny because you're gonna blow up my theory right okay. here. Right. <laughs> the reason I don't have a problem with the name Redskins is because Vince Lombardi, George Allen, Bill Parcells, Tom Landry, Joe Theismann, Doug Williams, and others have not. So let me preface this by saying, right. live in a time now where everybody is sensitive about everything. Mm -hmm. Never in my life did I think that people would consider defacing a statue of Christopher Columbus, right. Teddy Roosevelt, George Washington. There's plenty of monuments you could take down from Confederate leaders. Right. I get that. But when it comes to the Redskins name, if Vince Lombardi was that offended when he left the Packers at his introductory press conference he would have said ladies and gentlemen i will not accept this position because the name of the team is the redskins and i'm offended no he wasn't offended and george allen one of the kindest and most brilliant human beings who would jump up and down hail to the redskins hip hip hooray in the locker room when they beat the cowboys and it meant everything and the stadium was sold out because redskins in my lifetime was an endearing term to a football team that usually always won and they wanted to win football games, and they were proud of the fight that they put up against the Cowboys and the Jets and the Giants and the Raiders to win a football game. They weren't looking at it in a negative light, and they weren't being racist about the term. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, yeah, there but several be. things. Uh, with Vince Lombardi, Vince Lombardi had an amazing reputation that we didn't know of until modern times, that he had a gay brother. And so he didn't allow any homophobic language on the Green Bay Packers or the Washington Redskins. And for a while, this this you know the state secret in the NFL was if you had a gay player and you were uncomfortable with it, make a deal with the Redskins. I saw it was a special on uh, the NFL Network that they had recently. It's fascinating, and that all started with Lombardi and continued with George Allen. They had a wonderful kind of uh, open liberal reputation there with the Redskins. And there was a reason why Joe Theismann and Doug Williams and Vince Lombardi, et cetera, never thought about it. Then and Ronald Reagan would have them over to the White House and they would celebrate. At my brother's college graduation from Notre Dame, which we were very proud of, it's a rich kid's school and we weren't rich. And so that was a cool accomplishment on behalf of my brother. And Ronald Reagan, President Reagan, was the speaker. I don't remember anything he said, but the valedictorian of my brother's class was a woman, and I got to get her name, and it's so hard because it was pre-digital. And she said, what we always have to be aware of is the moral blindness of our times. And there was a reason why 
great people, good people, not bad people, walked by colored drinking fountains and never thought anything of it. Not because they were bad. They were good. They just, it was moral blindness. They never thought about it. And that's the way we've kind of all been with the Washington Redskins name. It's, uh, and so we need not be insecure and think, well, they're not racist and I'm not racist, so it hasn't bothered me. Uh, but sometimes we need to take a deep breath and think, well, what were the roots of the, the nickname and the original guy who named the team who might have been snickering when he did and not necessarily our non-reaction over the years? Well, the Redskin name moving on and evolving, I'm fine with. Again, yeah. it's another one of my sayings. I'm not going to die on the hill for the Redskins. Yes, exactly. I hosted a show. The, the, night, the, the day the story broke, Sunday on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM 82, Sunday I had two people that we respect on the show. Steve Zabin, uh -huh. arguably the best oh, DC great. host, and Christine Brennan from USA Today, right. who's written about this story, and she has not said the Redskins name for seven years. Wow. And she's a big-time journalist. And again, I'm not a Redskins fan, so I threw it out to the fans. I said, look, this isn't my team. If it was my team... I'd probably have more of a firm opinion. Right. And most Redskin fans called in and they were like, yeah, I, we'd love to keep the name. If we can't keep the name, we understand why. This all happened because of the murder, the killing of George Floyd. Yeah. There has been thousands upon thousands of African-American men, not a year, not a year, but over the last 100 to 200 years that have been brutalized and murdered. George Floyd's murder happened on a cell phone a cell phone over eight minutes with a police officer on his neck. With his hands in his pockets. Yep. Because that happened, statues are coming down. The Redskins name is being changed because of George Floyd. Eric Garner in New York was killed and said, I can't breathe on, on a street corner in New York by police officers. And I'm pro cop. I love the cops. I love the cops. The bad ones get them out. Eric Garner didn't get us to change the name Redskins. George Floyd did. Yep. And we're living in 2020 now. And that one event, not Rodney King, not the assassination of Martin Luther King, George Floyd has changed everything. And people are listening more. And companies like FedEx are saying, we're not going to build your new stadium and we're going to defund you. And we're not going to give you money for advertising unless you change the name. George Floyd didn't do this. George Floyd didn't make himself a hero. A police officer in Minneapolis did this, and that's what happened here. And that's why so many things are changing. I think it was this, this seminal moment where uh, the majority in our culture, which looked like you and me, had to take a deep breath and say, oh, maybe we got to stop ignoring people every time that they say, hey, this might not be offensive. This may be a morally blind moment that we need to correct. And uh, you and I, of course, the Redskins name, the evolution of language is something I've always been fascinated with. And what's not offensive today might be offensive tomorrow. And that doesn't, I don't get upset by that because I'm fascinated by words and the evolution of manners. You and I grew up with please and thank you and Catholic manners. And so I'm always, a lot of times, it's not, for me, not political correctness, it's manners. It's the reason we don't say colored anymore. It's manners. The words have involved, uh, evolved, and the name Redskins will, you know, is obviously going to evolve uh, right before us. And it was just one of those moments sparked by the death of George Floyd that had us saying, okay, maybe we just need to stop completely ignoring these pleas and getting angry because I'm not prejudiced. Oh, and there's the thing. 
Uh, it was just a meme that I saw that so, <laughs> that uh, sometimes when we're being morally blind, it's when we're saying, how, how is that racist? You know, it's the time, but it's usually only white guys that are saying that. How is that racist? When we say that, whenever you find yourself saying that, what you mo- the most important thing to do is listen to the answer to that question. Welcome to the JT and Looney podcast, the only podcast recorded in my wife's walk-in closet and the Looney mansion. In Hollywood, we're back again on the Believe Podcast Network. Hello, Tom. Hi. I'm looking now, uh, as I probably should have done before the podcast started, but that's okay. It's all spontaneous. That's, that's the way we, we best work. And famous number 40s in sports over the years Ooh. because this is episode 40. Famous number 40s. Yes. And you know that there's going to be some. Ooh, Gail Sayers. That's the best. That's the best right there. Uh, that's the one. And you Number know, 40, it's got to be Gail, Gail Sayers. That's got to be the one. And the one thing, you know that a lot of times with athletes, and you've had, and I have had, and together, we've interviewed guys over the years, and one thing is really, a successful interview, sometimes you can get get to the chip on the shoulder that drives a guy. And with Gail Sayers, it doesn't take long. Life's not easy for a boy named Gail. That's what made him tough, like the boy named Sue. Have you ever met a man named Gail, except for Sayers? We're going to have some name drop alerts. Rick okay. Sutcliffe, Cy Young Award winner, oh. great pitcher, analyst. Rick Sutcliffe, another number 40. Really bizarre. A couple of days ago, my buddy called me, my buddy Steve on in San Diego. Uh-huh. He's like, JT's on a golf course. A lot of buddies call from the golf course. Someone wants to say hi. Hands the phone. Rick Sutcliffe. And my wife was in the backyard with me, and she's a Cubs fan. And I've known Rick, but interviewed him just a handful of times. But Steve told Rick, Rick, me being in sports radio. So he said, put him on the phone. And we talked for about two, three minutes. And I put him on speaker, and my wife said hi. It was just glorious. Wow. Number 40. We got a lot to get into in this podcast because a lot's changed since our first podcast on Believe Podcast Network. Patrick Mahomes signed a half a billion dollar contract to play about 27 to 31 minutes a week, (laughs) not including timeouts and huddles and And how was your day? Wow. The biggest contract in sports history. A lot on the plate here. First off, congratulations to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. A professional baseball player who worked his whole life to be the highest paid athlete other than Floyd Mayweather, because again, got to give Floyd credit. That right. won't last forever. But for a team sport, it's now Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, I love my running quarterbacks. He is the prototype of the future. And a lot of times throughout the high schools over the years, uh, in our lifetime, the greatest athlete many times would play running back. And now the greatest athlete in high school plays quarterback. It wasn't always. And a lot of times it was the coach's favorite playing quarterback or the rich guy's son playing quarterback. And now they take guys like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, and they take the best athlete and the best football player on the field, and they put them behind center. And there's no more greater examples, plural, than that. Uh, than those two, than Lamar Jackson, now the highest-paid player in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, can do and it no, all. And no disrespect to Dan Fouts and Hall of Fame quarterbacks like Bart Starr, who was brilliant as a champion and a leader, won the ice bowl on a quarterback sneak with his play. All of this, 
none of them, not one of them, has been as athletic as the two you mentioned. Right now, Patrick oh. Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, the most athletic to play the game, and we're talking Randall Cunningham, Warren Moon, friends that we've talked to over the years. Man, you nailed it. We are exploding with athletic ability at the quarterback position. And you know my philosophy on that. The moment the Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes gets into the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, Bart Starr's statue and bust has to go. Uh, that uh, I can't believe it. You don't work. You don't work for the Packers. You work for the Raiders. Dropping Bart Starr's name in there. There are people like Bart Starr and Bob Greasy who shouldn't sniff the Hall of Fame. But the other argument on the other side of that would be it is the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Very Very Good. Like you and I would love to have the Hall of Very Very Good. We've always talked about that. We got to do that. But it's also, do you bring fame to the game? We were talking about, this is podcast number 40. Gail Sayers was number 40. And he brought great fame to the game in the 60s before we were watching. People have been talking about him ever since, the impact that he had. That maybe with his numbers and... Uh, he, he only played... That's why he was so How many dominant. seasons? Six. Yeah. He was that great of a player. Yep. He, he, got, he had a real knee injury before they had orthopedic knee surgeons right. who oh my go God. in and, and do these unbelievable jobs. Gail Sayers is probably on the Mount Rushmore of all athletes who played the minimum amount of games to be in the Hall of Fame that no one debates. Everybody, first time they saw him play, take back a punt or a kickoff or a touchdown said Hall of Famer. And how much better would Joe Namath have been had they had the surgeries in the late 60s and the early 70s that they do now? Because by the time you and I were paying any attention, Joe Namath wasn't very good because he moved like my Aunt Mary. And that was a problem with Joe, and he just wasn't very good in the 70s. The 60s Joe was amazing. The 70s Joe wasn't very good. And Gail Sayers played from 65 to 71, limited to a true five seasons of play if you take the injury year out. So when you look at his career, it's incredible to me that someone could have that impact. And now we go to Patrick Mahomes. And I spent a lot of time heading into this podcast, researching and talking about this. Russell Wilson set the new bar for his most recent contract at $35 million a year. Mahomes exceeded it by $10 million. He now set the bar at $45 million. During a pandemic, yeah. let's stop yeah. for a second. During a pandemic where we don't know if we're going to have butts in seats, right. and owners don't know if they're going to have fans to buy beer and pay for parking, Kansas City said, oh, my God, let's lock him up for 12 years. He has two years left on the deal. Ripped that up. They added 10. So it's a 12-year commitment. And the guaranteed money into the $60 million category with this year. So the new money he's getting is mostly guaranteed money. But here's a big caveat. After four, five, six years, none of this is guaranteed. It's the dirty secret of yeah. the NFL. Yeah. Uh, the Hunt family could wake up on a Tuesday and go, you know, Patrick's really good, but he got injured two years ago. He's not the same. Something happened. God forbid, and I hope it doesn't. We'll cut him. And then it will be over. And he won't have a half a billion dollar contract. The NFL and the ownership will cut him and the money will stop there. Or he could pull a Brett Favre. Brett Favre signed big contracts and would play all the way through the contract and yeah. then sign another with the Jets and another with the Vikings. And Brett Favre stayed throughout all of his contracts and collected all of the money that he ever signed up for, which is pretty amazing considering in football they're always trying to play 
uh, catch up with the numbers and cutting guys who don't deserve to be cut. That started when we were younger with Phil Sims. Remember, he was perfectly capable of con- to continue to play in the NFL and had all the talent, but it was a numbers game, and he just didn't want to ever play for another team. But with Patrick Mahomes circling back, what he means to the uh, to the city of Kansas City. And by the way, this is coming uh, for Lamar Jackson, barring any injury as well. What Lamar Jackson means to Baltimore is what Patrick Mahomes means to Kansas City. There's, there hasn't been an athlete of this magnitude in Baltimore since when? And he is just going to be, if he continues to play the way he is, and his commitment to football is unparalleled and unquestioned since he was in Pop Warner, he, as I predicted, will be the biggest athlete in the history of Baltimore. And he probably will have a contract similar to this one. Yeah, he could. He's one of the only guys who could have a contract similar. He's not a similar player. He's not the quarterback of Mahomes. He is not because he's not the passer yet that Mahomes is. He was throwing lasers last year. He was. At one point, he was leading the league in completion percentage. Absolutely. I just think Mahomes is at a higher level than him, Dak Prescott, who we'll get to. A couple more fun facts on this contract. Okay. He earns, this is Mahomes on the new deal. He earns 39, $39.5 million for the next five years. The first seven years of the contract, he had two years remaining on the rookie deal. His guarantee is $63 million at the signing the other day, and his total guarantees increased to $141 million by March of 2022. So we're in 2020. So he locked in 141 million. Lee Steinberg, friend of the show, put this deal together with his partner. And I can't believe it. People are debating: Did Mahomes leave too much on the table? Right. He might have left money on the table because, as you know, the salary cap's going to go up. There's new revenue streams from Amazon and all these other companies coming in. There's going to be sports gambling money that we have no idea what that number is going to look like added to the NFL revenue base. Can you believe we're debating that a guy making a half a billion dollars might have left some money on the table? Well, he had to sign it. He had to sign it because of COVID-19. You don't know what the future brings. Uh, it's, you know, ask anybody in the restaurant business. You don't know what the future brings when you can't open your doors and you can't get on the field and you can't get fans in the stands and, you know, ask sports talk radio right now in a lot of ways, which is having, I can say this on the podcast. I wouldn't say this on sports talk radio or the bosses would get upset. But when you have, uh, we have boner pill commercials going all night because you can't sell the time. Blue pills, blue pills. <laughs> yes. Oh, blue pills. And so, uh, that's you don't. There's no. There's been no time, at least in modern times. We weren't around a hundred years ago during the flu pandemic then. But he had to sign it now, and I bet you that was part of the conversation, don't you think? Get this absolutely. Now. Yeah. And interesting, you say that because as you were talking and we're recording this podcast, episode forty, I got a text from Jeff Sherman, who's the vice president of risk management at the Westgate, the Superbook. And uh-huh. he just texted me. It popped up in my text. He just set a prop bet. This is a futures bet. Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl titles from now through 2031, 2032. So for the next 10 seasons, okay. what do you believe the number is on total? This is a futures bet. Okay. They have to win the Super Bowl 
This is the line. It was just sent to me live. This is the only sports book in the world who has set this. And is this an under over on how many Super Bowls they will win? Over under. What do you think the number is? You can bet that it won't make this number, so you'd bet under. Okay. But you'd bet over. You'd have to go over this number. Just take a guess. Ten years. Okay. And by the way, in, in Las Vegas lingo, did I screw that up? It's no, supposed, you got it. You got is it. Is it always over under, or can you say under over? People say total if you want okay. the lingo. Oh, the, to- the total. Okay. But what I'll do you think the total I'll make sure is? When I'm on the property, I say yeah. total. Okay. So okay. Patrick Mahomes through the year 2031. 32. Yeah, and I can't go with my beliefs or thinking. You have to go with what Vegas and they need to make the money. It's always hard. Three. One and a half. Wow. So this is really cool that we can add this in the podcast. So that means if you bet $100,000, you will not make a penny of interest. Uh Your money will sit in a cage in Las Vegas and you can't touch it. So you'll make no money. And you'll have to wait until the second Super Bowl is won to collect your money on this. Uh, Minus 125 on the over. So you got to bet 125,000 to win 100,000. And on the under, 105,000 to bet 100. But you have to wait. So Vegas doesn't believe this is a lock. Very similar. How many more majors is Tiger going to win? Correct. It's a oh, tough number. Right. And it's always and going negative is always the easier way to go. You know, will someone be a bust? Fill in the blank. It doesn't matter because, as you said, who is a guy who the entire time we ever worked together, your number one guarantee lock about who wouldn't be a bust was Andrew Luck. Yeah, we could argue that he was. So uh, so it's so much easier to go negative, And that's what that's what Vegas did here. And the point is, as you see the one and a half that I'm showing you on our right. video here, one and a half means that it's so freaking difficult to win the Super Bowl, right? Lamar Jackson last year had the one seed. They had what's right. called a bye week. And then get this, home field throughout the postseason, they didn't win a game. Patrick Mahomes is not guaranteed. Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl. His rookie season right. went back. Jim yeah, Kelly went to four in a row and was 0 for 4. So, And if you'll remember, too, don't leave out. John Travolta got nominated for an Academy yes, Award so. in his first movie and then never went back to that red carpet again for 20 more years with Pulp Fiction. So if I had the money to sit in the cage at the Westgate for the next four, five, eight years, right. I would take the over. I think Mahomes... Will win at least more three than one Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. Tom Brady won six. Tom Brady won six. Mahomes has won one. He's got to win one and a half more, which is two. I think that Mahomes and I, I'm rooting against him with my association with the Raiders, but uh, he's going to trip over another Super Bowl, just like Tiger's going to trip over another Masters or trip over a PGA or a British Open or an Open Championship. Oh, the Open, yes. And and I think Mahomes, I think this is a great investment for Kansas City. Now, uh, you mentioned your association with the Raiders, and as we tape this podcast, we can also see each other. Mm -hmm. You are are decked out today in silver and black. Were you at the Raiders facility, as you people call it, because you've got your your great Raider uh, golf shirt on and your great Raider hat? Which is I, I am, I'm guessing is the high end Raider hat because you can probably mm-hmm. go there and with your sticky fingers and go right in the in the shop, uh, or just lift one out of a locker. Uh, so were you were you Raidering today? 
No, I am uh-huh. going to the Raider facility next week, which is going to be open where they're going to start training camp at the end of July. And I'm going to the new stadium in two weeks to get a tour when it's almost done. So I've been to the new stadium during construction twice. Haven't been inside the new facility just yet. So you're just dressed like a 22 year old gangster today. I'm dressed like I'm 14 and I have that on. So uh, a couple of things about Mahomes, which I think will be the hook to this podcast. Okay. So I'll say it again, because you, you like to move the podcast around. Here's the hook to the podcast. (laughs) Patrick Mahomes signs the richest contract in sports history. Okay. Nobody should have been surprised. We all knew when Kirk Cousins signed the greatest contract I've ever seen, $84 million guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And this is the last year of that guaranteed, and they gave him an extension. We all knew that A, Mahomes was going to stay in Kansas City, no doubt. B, we knew he was going to get a contract. We didn't know he'd get 10 years. We thought he'd get five. Why, would he, why wouldn't he do it? Because the money was there. So he ends up doing this deal. Now it's my job to tell you how to stop him. Okay. okay. And this, this is important because Vegas set the total for Super Bowls in this contract at one and a half. So here's how you stop them. You need a formula and a plan to beat Patrick Mahomes, not the Kansas City Chiefs. You can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It took them 50 years to win a Super Bowl since Len Dawson. Beating Patrick Mahomes is a different story. So I'm going to give you two teams that have a plan and one you might roll your eyes or not. First off, Baltimore. Yes. Baltimore has a plan. They have Lamar Jackson, similar to Mahomes. They have a coach who I think is better than Andy Reid. Sorry, Andy. You couldn't win the big one forever. You're not a legendary great coach. You got your first Super Bowl, and you were down with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So Baltimore has a culture, Tom, of defense. Ray Lewis. Make them pay for running. So Mm -hmm. you got the culture of Baltimore, the coach, the owner, the Super Bowl wins, and the quarterback. Yeah, Lamar keeps Patrick Mahomes off the field, and then that defense makes Patrick Mahomes regret that he has to go on the field. Excellent point. And uh, a really th- a big point here is I don't believe in time of possession with Mahomes. He's already proven that stat to be a throwout statistic, right? Mm-hmm. He did it against yeah. down 24 nothing. Time of possession doesn't matter with him. The other team is the Las Vegas Raiders, and let me explain why. Okay. They got the coach in Gruden. He's a mad scientist. He's got full control of the football team from operations. The owner gave him a 10-year deal, right? Mm -hmm. 10-year deal. So Gruden is trying to build the Vegas Raiders in his liking, which is very Belichickian, where Belichick had full control from Robert Kraft to run everything. Robert Kraft let him do it, and then Belichick won. Gruden has that in Vegas. Number two, Gruden has a quarterback in Derek Carr who's not Mahomes but has already played in a few Pro Bowls. So you have a capable quarterback. Right. More than capable. A great offensive line, maybe the best according to pro football focus. And then Gruden is trying to bring in rugs to counter Tyreek Hill. Darren Waller and Jason Witten to counter Travis Kelsey. His plan is specifically designed to beat Kansas City. Don't know if he's going to do it, but here's why he has to, Tom. They're in the division. The Raiders built a brand-new stadium. How would you like to be the Raiders this week going, oh, my God, we might not host host a home playoff game for 12 years if we don't beat Mahomes? So those are two examples. Yeah, and that type of of thinking – 
doesn't get you anywhere for one really important reason, the numbers. 50% of the teams that make it into the playoffs in the NFL don't make it into the playoffs the next season. This is in the modern era. When did the modern era begin, JT? When Green Day debuted in 1994, as we know. So ever since Green Day, uh, there has been no, you know, it's been 50%. Teams that make the playoffs do not make it the next year. So I think uh, people sometimes over-worry. And what happens if you design the entire Raider organization around beating Patrick Mahomes and they have a down year? And you're playing other teams that aren't the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the downside of overdoing it in that department, don't you think? Yes, but yeah. I have to counter back. I think okay. that this guy, very similar to Brady. Remember, my dad's, my dad would go psycho because he knew every year that the Patriots would win because they only had and a get win. a home playoff. Yeah, game. they'd get a home playoff game. They really only. <laughs> my dad's theory was brilliant. The Patriots only have to win one game a year. They'd easily win the AFC East. Mm-hmm. They'd get a bye week. Then they'd have a home game after the bye week, normally against a team that's inferior traveling to them. And then after that, it was a game called the AFC Championship. So they'd only have In to the win snow. one game. Yeah. I think Kansas City, unless the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Denver uh, Broncos get really good, are going to be playing with that formula. That Kansas City is going to win yeah. the AFC West. They're going to have a bye week. They're going to host a playoff game. They're going to have Patrick Mahomes in control of that home playoff game and be one game away from the Super Bowl. You work for an NFL team. There seems to be real cotton candy. And I was talking to you about uh, Chris Myers, our friend. He calls baseball on Fox. He calls the NFL on Fox. He hosts dog shows. He does everything. He hosts a game show now on Fox Sports 1. He's great. Ubiquitous. He's like Dick Clark or Ryan Seacrest. Just give him a mic. He can do anything. He seems, I follow him on Instagram, really enthusiastic like there's no covid when it comes to the this upcoming nfl season you work for a team and i'm not sure how much you can say and i'm putting you on the spot here because because we don't talk ahead of time very oh, we're often. a podcast you don't have to worry about putting me on a spot yeah, that's true. my other jobs you do but not on the podcast this <laughs> right. is our safe harbor in my, in my wife's closet <laughs> if i can't say it in my wife's closet with you looking at me i can't say it anywhere okay uh what is there any do you know of any contingency plans right now when it comes to stadiums are we going to have to no. six, six feet apart are they going to let in thirty thousand instead of sixty thousand, etc they must have some contingency plans of some kind Worst case yeah. scenario, best case scenario. Well, uh, first off, they're working that out because okay. it's going to. Raiders have a brand new stadium along with the Rams and the Chargers. Even though the Chargers are leasing it, they're paying like a right. dollar to just have no fans there. Uh, Baltimore today, as we're recording this podcast, put out some disturbing news. This is from the Ravens NFL verified account. Twenty twenty Ravens season tickets will be deferred. 2021 if permitted under state and local government regulations to have fans attend games in 2020 a reduced seating capacity at mnt bank stadium will be in place of fewer than 14,000 seats per game oh my god oh my god now this has to do with politics politics of Maryland, yes, East Coast, maybe a second wave, whatever they're doing. But the governor of Las Vegas, uh, Steve Sisolak, and the governors in different states, Gavin Newsom in California, hopefully will have the ability in this free country to say, no, we can put 50,000 into Santa Clara for a Niner game, or we can put 60,000 in Vegas 
We don't know just yet. And Roger Goodell is not endorsing this. Uh, my point is, is that, no, we're not making a decision now about butts in the seats. Well, uh, Larry Hogan's the governor of Maryland. And Larry Hogan, Republican governor of Maryland, who has been out in front following science and not politics on this. Plus, Maryland has had that. Maryland's had an unbelievable number of people die in nursing homes. Their numbers have been sky high since the beginning. They've been right up there with New York. Haven't got a lot of coverage because it's Maryland. But he's on all the Sunday shows a lot. And uh, he has been very strict. So that's he's probably already been in contact with the Ravens. He's been a real strict guy when it comes to masks and crowd sizes and phase one and phase two. So he's been very conservative when it comes to letting people outside. Yeah, I think this is a really important moment because the Ivy League is making news as we record this because they're looking to move football back from the fall to the spring, which to me isn't the end of the world for the SEC and the Big 12 because the Power Five conferences can do what they want. But it has to do with the second wave and attendance issues yep. and not being able to play. So this is all fluid. We're all trying to figure this out. But we need better news because the president, down to governors, mayors, state officials, owners – commissioners of college football conferences, agents in sports who want to protect their players professionally. They're all involved in this decision. And you know, the sad part, Tom, is we're no better off than when we started counting how many people were dying from COVID. Oh my God, you're right. It's only at a thousand. Now we're over 130,000 and we still have no clue what the world's going to look like in two weeks. I know. And we've kind of been outshined by a number of other countries who've gotten us under control. A lot of those countries are a lot smaller, but I think our impatience, our impatience, uh, you know, we're impatient Americans and it's also what has made us so successful. We are rugged individualists, which has always been actually what has made us so successful. And this time it's biting us in the ass. And I do think when it comes to colleges, they are in charge of, the health care of the students. When you go to college, they have clinics at the college and they're in charge of your health care and they have to avoid lawsuits. So that's why you and I have always worried out loud, W-O-L apostrophe D, that, uh, that it, it was going to be tough to get college football on the field. And you had, is it Brett McHenry? Who was the name of the journalist that broke the Ohio State story with the wife beating? And you had him on your show months ago and he said there was going to be no college football because no two college presidents were going to be able to agree and kids will probably be going to class on zoom in september and that means no football so this has got to be a nervous you know the nfl has been very cotton candy about this just acting like uh, there's nothing going on here like Baghdad bob or the brett man Mc behind the curtain yeah brett mcmurphy from yeah. Stanford, uh, really dropped that knowledge on me and it stayed with me as we see him on all these podcasts and we're with Believe now. We're talking about coronavirus because we're podcasting during coronavirus right. and it means something to both of us. We are inflamed and I am outraged about the media coverage every day. It bothers the hell out of me right. that so many shitheads who don't know what they're talking about are putting out propaganda. Doesn't matter their political party. And... I'm just shocked from the time I turned my car around on March 12th as the media session was canceled after the fans were canceled the night before at the Pac-12 tournament that I'm sitting here on July 8th, July 9th, 
And I have nothing new to add. I can't tell you what two weeks from now is going to look like because on the 4th of July in Las Vegas, we were slightly opened and people from your neighborhood in Los Angeles where everything was closed Mm -hmm. and Arizona decided to come to Vegas because the restrictions weren't like LA County and throughout Phoenix. And we don't have the numbers yet. We haven't seen the numbers from the 4th of July. So I don't know if Vegas is about to close again or open. We don't know. Yeah, and that is always what the state of ignorance can always make you nervous, and that's what has a lot of Americans blowing off a lot of fireworks. 911, where's your emergency? And as we saw on the 4th of July, it was unbelievable. More calls to 911 than any time in the history of Los Angeles County. I do, uh, I'm a news anchor on the weekends in Los Angeles, so I have all these LA statistics available. AM 790. Talk Radio 790, KABC News, live and local. I am Tom Looney. And the big rumor has been the conspiracy theory with the tinfoil hats. And I think this has probably got a lot of uh, credibility. No matter where you live in the country, you probably saw more fireworks. And professional-grade fireworks from Bobby down the street. And that's because with all the cancellations all over, here in L.A., it was the Rose Bowl canceled and Dodger Stadium and the city of Alhambra and the city of this and the city of that all canceled their fireworks. Well, people who sell fireworks for a living needed to recoup their losses. So what did they do? They went to the black market, allegedly, and you know, sold a lot of fireworks into guys you know, out of the back seat of a car at Denny's. And that's why we had so many outstanding private fireworks shows throughout the country. couple of things on fireworks. Number one, I'm not a fireworks guy because mm-hmm. as a young boy, I almost blew up my hand with an M80. It actually went off as I lit it, and it gave me a tiny scar on my wrist, which still uh-huh. is with me today. Could have blew my hand off because I was younger at that time. And I've never been a firework guy, and I got sons who are not firework guys. The beauty of the video that you put out on your social media, that video every year that I wait for, almost like the beauty of an Easter mass at the Vatican, where you get that one view of Los Angeles from that one hill where all the private fireworks are going off at once. Is that God's firework creation? It is gorgeous. It's unbelievable. And just like you, I've never been the biggest fireworks fan either. I don't have that in my DNA. But I love that holiday now. Because in L.A., of course, we call it, uh, we don't call it July 4th. We call it All Countries Matter. Because <laughs> we're very liberal. But it's, we go up to the top of the hill behind the house and you know, put early and grab some chairs and usually some wine. Uh, or beer, and we watch the fireworks. And from uh, right, we have a oh, it's gorgeous a 180 because there's a hill behind us. Of and usually we are equ- we're equidistant between Dodger Stadium and the Rose Bowl. And they canceled their fireworks this year. They always have an amazing show, but the real show is everywhere in between the neighborhoods of Lincoln Heights and and uh, Eagle Rock and Highland Park. I don't know. And by the way, which are not wealthy neighborhoods, and they have a billion dollars worth of fireworks going off. And this last 4th of July, as you saw, it was like 16 a second. Boom, 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 boom. It was glorious. Alexander Hamilton, let me tell you something right now, Tom Looney. I watched Alexander Hamilton, which is Hamilton, the Broadway production, 
And boy, did I love it. Oh, it was glorious. Disney Plus streamed Hamilton. And they streamed it with the original cast in 2016. You're becoming your father. He liked Camelot. And my dad, I grew up listening Camelot and Barbara Streisand, yes. by the way. That was and Barry Manilow. Wow. My dad, my dad, who I hope is listening to my podcast. Hey, by the way, if my dad's not listening to the podcast and my mom, how are we going to get our numbers up? I know. We're all <laughs> our friends to share our podcast. Exactly. So Hamilton comes out, and here's what was so good about it. It was on Disney Plus. They just streamed it. I was ashamed that I never saw Hamilton because I had the financial resources to do it. I could have flew my wife to New York. I have friends who have friends who could have got me tickets, should have saw it. So I never saw it. And then I started hearing the reviews and they were unbelievable. The best reviews. And then finally, fast forward, Disney plus streams it. So I tell my wife and I go, man, we got to, cause we did a little cord cutting recently. Right. Okay. Yes. I, for what I pay for television, you could, <sighs> You could lease a Ferrari. I was just, just going to say, it's funny. I was even going to say Ferrari. Ferrari. That's funny. Yeah, you could lease a Ferrari. for. So we cut out a few things. And I told, told my wife, because we have Netflix and we have Amazon Prime. And we got everything. And I looked at her and I go, man, I wish we had Disney Plus. And she paused and she goes, we have it. I go, what? She goes, oh, our youngest son downloaded it three months ago. Didn't tell us. So my youngest son, 17, 16 at the time, wanted right. it for all the Star Wars, the Mandalorian right. and all that. He just went in. I don't think he took his mom's credit card. If he did, I did stuff that was crazy as a kid. Oh, so yeah. we had Disney Plus the whole time. So the night it was on, I told my wife, let's open up a bottle of wine. Let's get the sound right. We have a beautiful system in our living room. And I wanted the kids out of the room. The dog doesn't bark a lot, thank God. We put that thing on. And I love the music. I love the original cast. I love knowing that I was seeing the stars who put that on and won all those awards. And I give it a 10 out of 10. And you know, when I give reviews, I don't give the Max Hamilton 10 out of 10 for me. It was that great. Brilliant. Well, one thing that you mentioned about your son, quite possibly, maybe he did, maybe he didn't uh, jump into your wife's. A pocketbook, and uh, and, and grab the credit card. And when you're talk, thinking about things we did as teens, that Trump book came out. When it first came out, somebody sent me a text and said he paid someone to take his SATs. And I texted back and said, "Well, the, the book better have something better than that." <laughs> about what the president did at seventeen. I don't want anybody going back to what I did uh, when I was a teenager. Believe me. When it comes to Hamilton, the things we missed over the years, and you and I love to be up on everything that's just our nature, not just sports, everything. Uh, we could, you know, when sports goes away, you, there's plenty that you and I can talk about. It's partially what this podcast is about. And Breaking Bad was one of those things that you have regretted not seeing over the years. Inclu- watching it now. Watching it now. Oh! Season, one, season one, episode six. Nice! Walter, Walter in the introductory year where they're trying to dispose of the bodies from the basement and the bathtub in that yes. first season. I'm into that right now, so don't spoil it for me. This is the only thing I'm going to tell you that people kept telling me, and they were all right. Breaking Bad just keeps getting better. So uh, whatever you think of it now, and you already like it, as I can tell, it only gets better. So through Breaking Bad, you're going to have a little bit of hangover once it's over because you'll th- you'll, you won't know what to watch next. 
We had a problem here at the house. It was a great date night for a bunch of weeks during stay at home and no sports. We watched Breaking Bad every night, two or three episodes. Then we got into Better Call Saul, which, you know, from what I'm told, uh, when Bob Odenkirk came in with the Saul character. What uh, season was that, by the way? Ballpark. Where he comes in. You'll see him early. He came in. Okay. And you see some forecasting as well in the show, which does a lot of foreshadowing. Um, he uh, after his first scene, someone said, "Sign me up for uh, you know, sign me up for the series, sign me up for the spinoff." And he was really flattered that somebody said that. So that may I suggest to you could be next because after Breaking Bad, nothing will nothing will feel like it's any good for a while. And Better Call Saul is another one of those uh, another one of those series that gets better and better as it goes along as well. Remember, with Tiger King, you dumped out early, and they said, no, go back, go back! And you were happy that you did. And that was another one that started slow, like Joe Frazier, but eventually came on smoking. Uh, I, you know, I never got to saw the, see The Sopranos. Would you suggest... Oh. Would you suggest that yes. maybe that'll fulfill my problem now that I'm done with better Breaking Bad and done with Better Call Saul? It's the only choice that a human being could make. You have to okay. go get Sopranos. You got to knock out Sopranos. Okay. You just have to do that. One last thing on Hamilton. Bravo, Lynn okay. manuel Miranda for putting that on. I do not, I, I, I'm not an artist. I'm not a playwright. Right. I don't sing in musicals. I don't know how you could go to Broadway and be a part of a production and try to top this. I mean, going in, you'd have to have a life coach and a producer and a director that says right out of the gate, we're not going to be Hamilton, but we're going to attempt to do something unique. Leslie Odom Jr., who played Aaron Burr, uh, David Diggs, who played Thomas Jefferson, Anthony Ramos, who was fantastic, played multiple roles. He was with Lady Gaga. He was Lady Gaga's best friend in the movie with Bradley Pitt. Okay. Loved so much. And when we looked at all that, A Star is Born, but the women... Philippa Sue and Renee Elise uh, Goldsberry, the women's voices in Hamilton were mesmerizing, along with the dancing and everything. So again, I don't you don't hear this much from podcast to radio. You gotta go see Hamilton on Disney Plus. It it was brilliant. And being a political geek that I am, and I'm always reminding people who say, wow. Politics has never been so nasty in the history of our country. I always remind them about Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton and about how Burr ended up shooting Alexander Hamilton and killing him and actually never went to jail for it because he just hid out in D.C. because at the time you could do that in different states or in the District of Columbia. So we've had pretty nasty uh, politics in the past, far more nasty than it is now but a lot of times as you as i've always told you we have this syndrome in life where we think the time we are on this earth is more important than other times that's why people always think the world's going to end when they're alive because we don't want to think that the 70 or 80 years we're on this earth are irrelevant but that's the dirty secret jt the 70 or 80 years that you and i are going to be on this earth will be absolutely irrelevant <laughs> And that's that's my that's my inspirational message for today. <laughs> and that's the JT and Looney podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.